Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great day. And thank you so much for all the support we get, your calls, your comments. As you know, freedom of speech, so anything you want to talk about or any comments or questions you have for our guest today, feel free to call in. And I am excited about our guest, Vince Morvillo, who is a national sailing champion, but also consulting with companies on motivation, success, and how to make things happen. So, Vince, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Joyce. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I thought we could start for our listeners telling them how you first became a member or involved with the disability community. Yeah, I was born into the disability uh, community. I was born with uh, super poor vision as a child, which progressed at a young age uh, to blindness. And that's how I got here. And were you involved as you grew up in the disability community? Not until probably later in life. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom uh, felt that that in her quest to get me to be independent and to be a choice about my life, she did not send me to the schools for the vision impaired. I went to public schools. And it wasn't probably until late into high school as I was getting ready to go to college that I began to interact with other, you know, vision impaired and blind individuals. Well, here's uh, a question. And by the way, I think the idea of mainstreaming is an excellent idea versus being marginalized. But what, what I wanted to ask you, as you were growing up as a child um, with blindness, what was that like for you? What was it like growing up? How did people react to you? Um, how did your family relate to you? How did kids at school, you know, what was it like? You know, I've thought back of that over the over the years, and of course, when I was a small child, it was a lot of years ago, so you forget a lot of things. But I think the the whole thing in in the household was about you have to be independent, you have to learn how to do things, and that was definitely what my mom uh, worked hard at doing and, and taught me lessons to go in that direction. And when I would, you know, she would send me outside to play with the kids, and there were a lot of things kids were doing I couldn't do. And there were lessons to be learned about how do you interact and be within a group, even if the group is doing some things you can't do. And, of course, Mom's biggest lesson she ever taught me was, you know, when you're up against something, figure out how you can do it. And so I would try to figure out how I could do it. I think growing up with the the other kids, I think they sort of realized that I was different (laughs) because they always seemed to kind of watch out for me and uh, so forth. So I didn't really have any... I never felt any real downturn or, or any negativity from, from any of that. And the whole thing in the household was about if I wanted to try doing something, it was, okay, let's see how you can do it, and we would try. So it wasn't, uh, I don't feel like I had any different socialization than perhaps a lot of other kids did. You know, was I able to play, you know, baseball with the kids? No, there were things I couldn't do. But I still could be a part and still could gain the socialization that you gain by you know, being in a in a group and, and being a part of what's going on in life. Oh, well, I mean, I think that's excellent. 
I think that's great that you had that uh, attitude. And may I say, kudos for your family in supporting you in that way. Well, this means, Vince, that you were not bullied in school. No, I really wasn't. I, I and you know, I thought about that, and I never really. The kids never teased me. They never thought anything was funny. I got a lot of questions about, you know, being blind or not seeing or why you couldn't do things like that. But but I never. That was never threatening, or it was never, you know, an unpleasant situation to be in. Well, you know what? Sadly. Things have taken a turn for the worse for students with disabilities are now the most uh, bullied and sometimes brutally bullied groups. And, for example, I have a young woman, very dynamic, very attractive, but um, you can tell that she's blind in the one eye. And, you know, they call her Helen Keller, uh, Blind Barbie. I, I mean, you just can't imagine how they taught her nonstop. So what I wanted to ask you is for any young people listening to the show today that is going through that, what advice would you have for them? Well, that's a real tough one, and kids have a, a really tough time, you know, growing up. I think that we have to stop and realize, look, this is who I am and this is the way I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to be blind or in a chair or whatever. You know, if you've got a disability, that's who you are. That's what you are. And it's time to direct yourself towards people who understand that and, and want to work with that. You know, a lot of times kids need to understand that the reason that the taunting and the bullying continues is because of the reaction the other kids are getting. And if they're not getting the reaction they want, then they're going to kind of move on and move away from that. But I think it's important for young people to really understand that although we are different, we're just like any other human being. There's nothing wrong with the way we are. You know, if we got one eye or one arm or we can't walk or <clears throat> it doesn't change anything. Our ability to do things is there, and we need to focus on ourselves and focus on our inner strengths and focus on the abilities that we have and move forward in our life. Look at our visions, chase our, our dreams and our passions, and, and you just got to kind of work your way past uh, some of that stuff that goes on. Which I think you're giving excellent advice, um, especially the part about accepting who you are, because that is a big part of it. You know, how you feel about yourself is obviously a major part of this because um, that enables you to say, well, I don't need this person or, you know, I still know I can do this. Uh, but to do that, you do have to believe in yourself. So, you know, I think that's excellent advice, you know, that you are giving. Well, here we have a question that was emailed to us uh, for you from Sandy in Tennessee. Uh, Mr. Morvillo, I really admire you for what you're doing. Uh, my question for you is, what was the major thing to provide you with such confidence? The way, just the way I was raised in the family, because my mom never let me, you know, cop out. Because I think, you know, any dis disabled person listening to me knows when we were kids, uh, I can't make the bed, Mom, because I can't see it. And my mother would just say, yeah, well, get in there and do the best you can, you know. I think that just within the family, whether it was my brother or my, my dad or my mom, what was always around me was, yeah, you're okay, you can do this. And there was no, uh, there was no big deal was ever made about the fact that I was blind. Okay, you can't see. All right, that's it. So now how are you going to do this? And I think that was, was the important thing because, you know, I had two, uh, two lessons Mom taught me, and I'll share with you. When I was about five, a family member had given me a wooden puzzle for Christmas, and that was pretty frustrating because I could never figure out where the pieces went. And my mom came along, and she said to me, she says, well, let's see how you can do this. And the lesson you learn from that is, you know, you can do anything if you want to do it. You just have to find how you can do it. And I, as I grew older, that lesson translated into three words that I think are powerful. Because every time I ran up against anything and said, ah, I just can't do that, the three words pop up. And the three words are, how can I because it changes your thinking to, I can do it. I think the second lesson, because I was uh, mainstreamed, I'm about eight years old. 
college, and I come home from school one day, and I told my mom that all the guys were going to try out for Little League Baseball, and I told her I wanted to try out, too. And uh, mom took me to the tryout field, and you can just imagine it was not the most successful day I've ever had in my life. But the lesson that I learned when I hopped back into the car, mom was taking me home, and I was cheerfully telling her about my horrible moment. And she put her arm around me, and she gave me a little squeeze, and she said, but you know what, son? You tried. And I think the point is, success isn't about accomplishing a task, you know? Failure is about not trying, and I think that was an important lesson. So looking for how you can do it and not being afraid to try, you know, those are the lessons that came out of that, uh, you know, out of the family environment, what have you. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I think that's great advice. So as far as being independent, it seems as if your family just treated you as if you're anyone else. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was expected to do chores. Um, there wasn't any real, there wasn't any real difference. I, and, you know, and I had a really great brother who was younger. Um, later in life, as I wanted to try, you know, woodworking as a hobby, my brother was quite skilled at this. And he taught me. He taught me a lot of things of how to do that. And through my life, he understood how to communicate things to me. And so I could always learn and I could always try lots of different things. Yeah. And I think that if it's like that from the beginning, it just becomes natural to you. Yeah, you it's know, a way of life. With our, with our recent, seeing our recent uh, champion in the Olympics, Oscar, with the prosthetic legs, I love this saying where my mother was talking to my uh, brother and said, put your shoes on. And then she said to me, put your prosthetics on. So I grew up thinking this was just another pair of shoes. <laughs> and I, I, I think that if you uh, get that from the beginning, you know, if you're taught that from the beginning, if you're treated like anyone else and challenged, I really think you just grew up thinking, I, I'm like anyone else. I have uh, to do things differently than other people, but I'm just like everybody else. Hey, you might do it differently, but you, you're getting the same result as other people. That's right. Yep. As long as you can get it done, that's yep. what counts. And it, apparently your whole family was this way. Yeah, they really were. I mean, very supportive. Uh, and, you know, because a lot of times people have asked me questions over my life about, well, how did you do this? How did you, do that? I thought, you know, there's nothing special about this. I'm not any different than anybody else. You know, I went to college because I wanted to get into the business world. Um, I had my visions and my dreams. And, and I went there, and I was successful. And it's, it was, to me, it was like, yeah, well, isn't that what you do? Where other people thought, well, wow, how'd you do that? It's a, you know, I, I, I'll offer a, there's a little formula for success that I heard that I think is really a good formula. It says, you know, success equals commitment plus focus minus distraction. Mm. And when you commit to do something and you focus on it and you don't let yourself be distracted from that goal, you're going to go forward and you're going to succeed. That is a great, that is so true and a great saying because that's true. What you just said is is true. It's all about if you put yourself in at 100% and you're determined to do it, it is going to happen. Well, hey, we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Vince Morvillo, who is a national sailing champion, national speaker, consultant to companies on success and how to get things accomplished. We're so excited to have him with us. And a special shout-out. To my friend, Yoshiko Dart, I hope you're doing well, Yoshiko. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters, at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Vince. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show, everyone. We're talking to Vince Morvillo, who has a credible background, absolutely incredible, very impressive uh, consultant, national speaker, and national sailing champion. Uh, he has just excelled in so many areas. And, Vince, when I was looking at your background, I was very interested in your work with PCH. I wondered if you could talk about that. Yeah, um... That was that was really interesting work. I I worked in a children's hospital, and was working uh, with children who had uh, uh, cystic fibrosis, and we got a we got to go way back into the sixties, nineteen sixty or so, when I was working back in then, and not a lot was known. And these young children uh, had a very short life expectancy. And they were doing research work, and I was part of a research team uh, at that hospital. And what I did was I applied therapies to these children to help them, you know, breathe more easily and and so forth. Uh, It's happy today, as I go back and see cystic fibrotic kids whose life uh, have become more normal. Um, They live uh, a much longer life than they ever did. Uh, And, you know, they're graduating from college, they're getting jobs. And, you know, technology has changed and, and what have you. But <clears throat> it was fun to be a part of that. It was uh, was fun to uh, get involved in in what we were learning as we were treating kids and as we were doing studies as to what could we do to improve, you know, their health. So it was, um, it, it was really very rewarding and it was a very fun uh, job that I did. And I, I really appreciate that. I wound up mostly in the administrative part of it. I did do some testing. But I wound up in the administrative part of it, and uh, that was that was pretty interesting as well. Well, you know that is tough. That was tough. I am happy to say, as you mentioned, things have improved so much. I mean, obviously, it's still a very hard situation and difficult. But you know, I have worked with people with a master's degree that are going on getting a job with cystic fibrosis, but but there's no question about it. It's very tough um, and very hard for many people. And I'm sure it was uh, something for you, and I'm sure at the end very moving, working with these students. Yeah, I think working with the kids, um, there's a lot of emotion around kids, especially that age, as you were watching them struggle. And uh, and sometimes I had to be around in the last few moments of their life, and that was very difficult because I had young children at the time. And the families, uh, and being with the families and, and understanding 
what they were going through and giving support to them was a big important part of you know the things that we did um, to help out with this but you know the upside is that from all of that work that was done uh, as you say you've got people well on to life and well into careers uh, now that that back in the 60s that wasn't even a future for those kids right yeah, we've definitely come a long way. Thank goodness we've come a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, well, Vince, you are very famous for your sailing skills since <laughs> you are a national champion. Um, what, what, how, like, wh- how did you get interested in this? Well, you know, when I was about 12 years of age, which is a time that all of us are going through trying to figure out what's happening in life, because we're changing and things are going on. And I found myself uh, at our summer home walking along the beach trying to get my thoughts together about what was happening. And I stumbled over a boat that turned out to be a little sailboat. And so when you ask the question, how did you get started? Well, I stole the sailboat. And I, uh, was, I was comforted by the fact that I could put this boat together. And uh, one day, uh, it seemed like the sea was calling to me. It kept saying, come on out here, come have some fun. And so I pushed the boat in the water, and I jumped in, and I pulled in on the, the sheet, and the sail tightened, and the boat took off. I thought, wow, this is really cool. And I was really impressed for maybe 20 seconds. When it dawned on me, uh, how do you get back? <laughs> and uh, I realized that the, the wind happened to be in my right cheek, and I thought, well, if I put the wind on my left cheek, i got to find the beach again. So I did, and the most wonderful sound I ever heard that day was the hull grinding on the beach. And I was ready to enjoy my triumphant moment, with the only exception being the owner of the boat was standing on the beach. I was probably a little concerned when a blind kid took off with his sailboat. But he was a really cool guy, and he said to me, he says, son, would you like to learn how to sail? And I was thinking, this guy go home and tell him my dad stole his boat. That ain't going to be real pleasant. So I'll take the learn how to sail. And I did, and I started sailing uh, at, that, at that point. As time went on in my life, and I'm a fairly competitive person, I always like to measure myself and see how good I can do or how I can get better. I started racing sailboats. And then I learned that there was a world championship for blind sailors. Uh, it was in New Zealand, and I went down and represented the United States. And uh, having attended three of those, I came back, and I had been doing some racing against normally sighted sailors, and I was enjoying that. Um, In the blind sailing, you know, there were adaptive rules. There were no adaptive rules when you went with with the sighted sailors. And I went to my crew one day after we had been winning some regattas, and I said to them, I want to win a national sailing championship. And they, after a long, long silence, said, you can't do that. You'll never be able to start in a large fleet of boats and that all the all the cans. And I looked at them and I said, "Okay, well, how might we?" And I kept pounding that question at them until we started thinking about all the ways that I could do this. And uh, it became a wonderful exercise in team building. How do you build a team such that a blind uh, skipper can drive the boat and win? Um, I think it. I, I drew on stuff from my business career. Uh, and, you know, put this team together. And uh, we went up to Newport in 2004, and we're sailing along. And I remember the crew on the first day said, man, there's a whole lot of guys that have won this before, and there's this guy who's never been beat. And, you know, I just looked at the crew, and I said, well, he's never been beat because he's never raced us, which seems to change their way of thinking. Like, well, yeah, maybe you're right. And so we went out. It was a just a it was a fun time. It was a stressful time, uh, but we accomplished the task. And I, I remember so clearly uh, the last day of the race, we're ahead by one point, and my tactician got into the boat and he said, "If we can put seven boats between us and the guy in second place, we don't have to sail the last race." And so we all looked at one another and we said, "We're going to do this." And we went out, and we did do that. We put 11 boats between us and, and that individual. Now, there were a lot of people who didn't, who, who didn't believe that we could do that, who were now great believers. I mean, there were 51 teams there that, like, hmm, guess they can do it. 
And the only team on that water who couldn't believe it was us, because I think the four of us said, <laughs> "Do we really just do this?" As hard as we had worked uh, to, you know, to get there, but we had figured out all the things that that I had to overcome or that the team had to overcome so that we could do it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I think the most important thing out of that, I must say, is that there were 480 competitors at that event that went forth into the world knowing that a person with a disability can do things. And I think that was the most important thing that came out of that. Uh, there was a number of uh, articles written in sailing magazines and just all kinds of things that came out of that. And I thought, this is really good because it demonstrates that although you have a disability, if you're focused and you're committed you have the ability to do anything you set your mind to do. And it's the wonderful power that all of us as humans have, our mind. When we make up our mind, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. You know, it's that, that saying that says, what you believe is what you will achieve. You believe in it, mm-hmm. commit to it, it's going to happen. And it, it, was, really, uh, it was really great. I, I've always enjoyed the sailing. I enjoyed the racing. I enjoyed the competitors. Uh, it was just an awful lot of fun. You know, this reminds me of that Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And, <laughs> and, and that is what it is. You know, it's how you think yeah. as to what's going to happen. Now, before I go any further with that, we have a Linda from Los Angeles that had emailed us yesterday with the question um, for you. I think it's wonderful what you've accomplished but I just have to know, at the very beginning of your life in sailing, the very first time, how the heck did you accomplish getting over your fear? It was easy. I never had any. <laughs> you know, it's the thing my mother said, try it and see what's going on. Now, I had grown up around the water and been on boats. I had an uncle that owned a boat yard uh, where they built uh, wooden boats in those days. And it was the one place, because my uncle would pick me up and take me down to the boatyard, and then he'd get busy, and he wasn't paying attention to me. And so I'd just slip out in the back and, uh, you know, and be around the boats and be around the guys that were building the boats. Uh, so a boat to me and uh, was just something that was familiar to me. Being on the water in a boat was something that was familiar. And I never recall having any uh, any fear. I don't recall having any fear when I first... You know, took that little boat off from the beach. Uh, it was it was just awesome, you know. And then thought, hmm, need to turn around because I don't know how I'm going to get back. But I, I never thought, and I can never think of a time that I was just absolutely terrified. Uh, you know, being out there. I can think of one time racing in about 30 mile an hour winds with the spinnaker up and knowing we had to make a maneuver, and I really kind of held my breath because I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it, and we did it. But I didn't really have that fear. I had a confidence uh, that I was going to be okay, that this would work, and so I just jumped in and and took off and did it. Wow. How about the man you stole the boat from? How did he react? He was pretty cool. I only learned he had eight daughters, and they wouldn't go in the sailboat with him. He was just happy to get anybody to go sailing with him. (laughs) He was a pretty cool guy. he he would tell me things uh, about you got to look at the sail, and I well I can't really see the sail, and so I think it was learning for him too as to how could you do this differently, how could you do this if you couldn't see. And I spent a couple of summers with him uh, sailing and, and and just having fun in the sailboat. He was a really. Well, didn't he get mad at you for taking his boat? He never never got angry with me to take his boat. Well, you are so lucky. You know that that is. Amazing. I am. <laughs> What a great guy. He, you know, and I think part of it was that I think he respected the fact that I had enough courage to try and do it. Yeah, that you had the guts to do all of it. Yeah, and it, and he had daughters who would have nothing to do with it, and I think that, that went a long way with him. But I think a lot of people, uh, when they see someone who will go and try and will go and do things, it, you know, it gets them past that, oh, I ought to be angry, I ought to be, you know, screaming or I ought to be hollering or what have you. But his simple little question is, would you like to learn how to sail? Yeah. <laughs> and we went off, and that's where my sailing career started. Wow. Well, hey, we're going to talk more about this, but right now we're getting ready to go to break. Okay. If you just joined us, hey, we're talking to Vince Morvillo. And we're going to come back and talk more to this champion. 
This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you just tuned in, we're talking to Vince Morvillo, who is a consultant, a national speaker, motivational speaker, national sailing champion, and I know since he's been on the show, I think he is dynamo. So if you know someone else that wants to hear this show, remember, every show is archived. Just go to voiceamerica.com or benderconsult.com, and you can hear the show. If you have a young person that has great trepidation dealing with their disability, this is probably a good show for them to listen to. And, Vince, we've been talking about sailing, but I know you won that very prestigious national championship award um, what what did that mean to you and can you tell everyone about it um was it the you talk about award not the race but the um uh, good skipper award yes okay the good skipper award is awarded to a person in the community who's done a lot of community service and the uh the dinner that they hold raises money for Boys and Girls Harbor, which is a place where uh, children who have been abused and mistreated go to live. And um, that organization chose me to be their their good skipper for that for that particular year. And that, and I, that was you know based on things that I'd, I've done in the community. You know, I have a real strong belief about giving back to the community you live in uh, and giving back some of the riches that you've that that you've had in your life. Um, and I got to say that working with those kids was really uh, was really neat. Uh, really, for what they've been through uh, with their little positive attitudes and, and what have you, it was really inspiring to me to be involved with them, um, so forth. So I was real pleased to you know to do that. I had some other awards. Um, I was you know, Sailor of the Year uh, in the Ensign National Sailing Championship. That's a one design boat. It means every boat is absolutely identical. The difference yeah, is yeah. in the Yeah, talk cr- about that. I mean, that is such a prestigious uh, yeah. award. What what is that exactly? When you have when you race in sailboats, they are in a particular class, and every boat is absolutely the same. When you go to a regatta, the boats are measured and they're weighed, and the sails are measured and weighed, and it gets down to the only difference is the crews on board and how good your skills are. So if you look up and there's a boat that's 50 yards ahead of you, you need to know that you could be there too. So with everybody being absolutely equal, 
what you have to do to win is you've got to be better at what it is you do, and you have to develop some little tricks here and there to gain an advantage. But it's all about the crew, and it's all about working together, and it's all about getting that boat to perform at whatever its optimum is. <clears throat> and that's why it's a lot of fun. There's other sailboat racing where they do it on handicaps. And, you know, if everybody's at the same boat, then everybody, you know, is equal. And it just means a whole lot more in any one design racing event to uh, to go out and, and, and win in that. If anyone looked in the Olympics, I think we have five or six different classes of boats racing in the Olympics. And, again, they're all absolutely identical. And the only difference is the crews that are on board sailing them. So it was, again, it was a really uh, good accomplishment. The group that I sailed in or the, the, the other competitors I sailed against, there were 10 of them that had won the Nationals more than twice. So it was a really strong competitive group. And the way in which sailboat races scored is however you finish, that's how many points you get. So if you finish 10th, you get 10 points. If you finish first, you get one point. And the lowest score wins. And in the 46 years of that event, I scored the lowest score ever scored by a team to win the Nationals. So we really, we really got out there and demonstrated that we could, you know, we could sail and we were, we were good. We went up against good competition and prevailed. Uh, you know, it was, it, it, it was a pretty, like I said, emotional thing for me and it was a pretty important moment in my life. You know, a person who likes challenges and just, really wants to go and meet them, there was one, and I did it. And uh, that was really important. But I go back and stress that the most important part of that is that the lessons for anyone who read the articles or anyone that was there is that it's all about people's abilities. We have to look at the ability of the individual, not what they can't do. It's what can they do. And I thought that was the most important thing that came out of that. Yeah, what I like about that is the teaching lesson for non-disabled people. Correct. They possibly judge people with disabilities, seeing them as inferior or not able to compete equally. Yeah. I really like that because I, I really do think that is an excellent teaching moment, such an excellent example that I'm sure I'll be using it. <laughs> it's really good because I because I think as I've done things uh, and you know personally they're a lot of fun you get a lot of notoriety and that's kind of cool but what I always keep an eye on is exactly what you're saying there's those people who prejudge a person with a disability instead of looking at the abilities of the individual uh, you know and, and, and I talk to people who place persons with disabilities and, and my point is why do you go in and say we place people with disabilities. Why don't you go in and say, we have a person whose abilities match your job needs? Because that's really what we're doing, uh, is, is to do that. But <clears throat> the more times uh, that uh, individuals who have disability go out and do things and the world becomes aware of it, uh, the more people are going to be aware of the fact that, hey, these people got disabilities, they're no different than, uh, than we are. I think of Eric Weimer. He's climbed every mountain right. in the world. <laughs> you know, it's like I was reading his book, and he was dangling from El Capitan, 3,000 feet up in the air, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is a good time to be blind. <laughs> you know? so, but, you know, lots of, of things that people go and do. And, again, it's because they chose to do it, they wanted to do it, and they asked themselves, how might I do it? And they accomplished it. Same thing with our young man running in the Olympics. Um, you're going to go do what you're going to, what you want to do. You're going to make happen what you want to happen. I don't think most people can really comprehend, unless they're a mountain climber, what that means, the example you gave. I mean, that is absolutely so difficult for anyone, let alone a person who is blind. I mean, for anyone at all. And I think that, once again, is that teaching moment. As a matter of fact, guess what? I used that because I was talking to an employer once um, that had called me saying, we don't have anyone with disabilities working here. We really would like to find someone skilled to do this job. Well, it just so happened the skilled person was a person who was blind. And when I talked to him, he said to me, do you really think that they'd be able to do entry-level mortgage work? Do you really Absolutely. think that? <laughs> and I said, well, 
do you think a blind person could climb Mount Everest? Yeah. And if you can climb Mount Everest, they think you do this entry-level accounting. I mean, that is, to me, so foolish when people think that, because some of my employees, uh, who are people who are blind, you know, are some of the best software developers that you could have. But we're all about no pity. You know, you'll be at work every day on time. Uh, we don't want pity. We want paychecks. We want equal treatment. That, that's the way I think it should be because that's the only way you'll really succeed. That is the only way. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Absolutely because, agree with that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's interesting you bring up about, you know, mortgage, uh, the mortgage thing because my MBA was in finance. And I remember when I was uh, going for my degree, they said, can you do accounting? Sure. Well, how are you going to do it? <laughs> Just trust me, I can do it. And, you know, and I got a degree in finance, uh, which the numbers excited me. I think that's the heart of business. It's where it all goes to. That's where I want it to be. But, <clears throat> you know, I think the other thing, too, Joyce, is that what people don't understand is the amount of technology that's come about mm-hmm. that can assist us. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, my computer talks, I work on spreadsheets. Jaws uh, software. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. It, it, it's mm-hmm. you know, our life is way easier today. You know, in 1968 or nine, when I got out of college, I went to work for a venture capital company. Or maybe it was it wasn't right when I got out of college. It was a little ways down the road, I went to work for a venture capital company. And you know, in those days, everybody was getting the new HP portable little calculators. You know, I couldn't read the screen, and they were like, "Well, how are you going to do this?" You know, you know what? I learned how to put those numbers in my head and, and manipulate them. Uh, you know, today I've got calculators that calculate and talk and they do all kinds of magic things, but that's where technology has, has brought us. Tech, technology has narrowed the gap between non-disabled and disabled people. Absolutely. It has really equaled the playing field. I yeah. mean, that's why I tell people all the time. I say, you know, Jim, who is, by the way, you know, of course, a manager in my company, is one of the top uh, software developers in the country. So, you know, everyone has to understand, with accessible technology today, it enables people to do things better, faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, you shouldn't let that stop you. But, you know, I want to talk to you now. We've been talking about your sailing. How about the work you do with corporations? Could, could you talk about that? Yeah, the, the work I do with corporations is fun. Um, they all have different business issues and problems. Sometimes it's a marketing issue where they're having difficulty selling their product or maintaining margins, and we talk about how to, you know, they all think I'm crazy when they say, well, what are we going to do? I say, well, stop competing. And they're like, what? Yeah, make your product mm-hmm. different. Position yourself differently in the marketplace. And we work on how you go about doing that. Sales is another area that um, I get to do some coaching and training in. Uh, my background in sales is pretty strong. Um, for eight years running, I was the top salesperson in North America for a large international yacht manufacturer. <clears throat> you know, so we, we do some sales, uh, you know, work with people with that. Do some coaching with managers where the companies are hiring disabled people, and that's kind of fun to do because you can sit and talk with them and get them to express what their concerns are and throw those concerns up on the table, get them dealt with, and, you know, the result is that they have a, a successful relationship and a disabled person goes to work and is expected that they can do the job. So, and, and you know what? It's so funny because I'm going to meet with them tomorrow but, or Thursday, excuse me. But my number one customer is the National Security Agency. Now, right. think about that. The National Security Agency calls me because they wanted to bring aboard people with disabilities. If you can work for them in engineering, mathematics, linguistics, you can do anything. I mean, this is what I mean. You've got to get stories out there so we change those myths and those stereotypes that exist. Um, And we do have a question for you here um, that came through today, and the question is, um, I'm... I have to know this because of your background in sailing. When you say you are a person who is blind, are you meaning you are 
completely blind, or do you have some vision? I have no vision. I have light perception. I can tell if it's light or dark. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, but I have no vision <clears throat> whatsoever. Well, there you go. Um, and that's what I would have assumed, and that's the way it is with uh, the majority of my employees who are uh, people who are blind. Okay. Well, Vince, you have done all this work with uh, companies in keynote speaking. How would someone get in touch with you? VinceMorvillo.com. It's pretty simple. That's our website. Phone numbers are there. Uh, my cell number is there along with the office numbers. And they can call us anytime and, and uh, talk with us. And we're always happy to come out and make presentations. I really enjoy the keynote speaking. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, training we do as well. But that's how they get a hold of us, VinceMorvillo.com. And if you go along and for some reason you lose that, uh, but you're interested in obtaining him for a conference, remember you can get in touch with me and I will get him in touch with you immediately. Um, Thank you. Vince, <clears throat> all well, it's pretty clear to everyone how much you've accomplished in your life. And by the way, these last two questions I have asked every guest for the past nine years, mm-hmm. which I'm thinking probably the next one would be the most difficult, but you have accomplished so much in your life. What would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Oh, it's, you know, there's been so many. I, I really think that. Uh, that being able to understand and share what I've learned about meeting challenges and obtaining our visions and being able to share that with others to give them the prescription that helps them to move forward and gain the things that they're after. Uh, and I think that's the part that I enjoy the most about coaching and speaking. Yes, it's, it's that opportunity to share and to give that back. Because that didn't come about, you know, immediately. It's, you had to go through life for a while before you began to realize that maybe you were different, maybe you did have a different approach. And to be able to give that, because what you're really doing is you're really giving people the freedom to live their life the way they choose to live their life. And uh, I've had the opportunity to do that, and I really do enjoy uh, enjoy doing that. So if any of the f- folks have benefited from that, that would have to be the the great accomplishment uh, that I've that I think I've uh, I've offered to the world. Well, that is a great accomplishment. I mean, that's a wonderful accomplishment. Um, and Vince, if you did have to leave a message for our listeners today, what would that be? I would just tell you that <clears throat> you know you've got dreams, you've got passions, you've got visions. Go for them. Relax, enjoy life. And every time that little thing is, well, I'd love to do this, but I can't, I want you to stop and say, how might I? How can I do this? And don't be afraid to try. Um, You know, if you don't succeed, figure out why you didn't succeed and try it again. Um, You know, we don't, you know, I think the first sailboat race I got in, I did not come out on top. Um, But through learning uh, and applying, we made it. So I think that's the most important thing. Just enjoy life. Relax about it. Um, Whatever it is you choose and you want to do, when you run up against those can'ts, push that distraction out of the way and simply ask yourself, okay, how might I do that? I think there's another part of that, too, that I deal with clients on. Whenever we look at challenges, we look at the whole challenge instead of taking it into its individual components and figure out how we're going to deal with each of the individual components. It makes overcoming a challenge or meeting a goal a lot easier if you are taking it in the small bites and saying, okay, well, I'll get this under control and then I'll get that under control. But when you look at the whole picture, sometimes it can be overwhelming. When you speak to uh, companies about success, what, what is the main message you leave them with? You know, I think that what companies have to do is to understand that just because it's been done this way for 50 years doesn't mean that's the way it has to be done. And what they really need to do is they need to see other solutions. And that's kind of the the theme I have is to see other solutions. And how do you see other solutions? You know, you've got to look at things from a different direction. You've got to break away from the traditional ways things are done. And you've got to be willing to, to explore other ways. But what happens a lot of times when somebody comes with an idea that's counter to the traditional ways, someone will say, well, we can't do that. 
And no one ever challenges that, you know. Just because this is the way we've done it for 100 years doesn't mean it's the only way to do it. And the breakthroughs, I think, for, for corporations is to go and to try that thing that's different because difference is what separates you from your, your competitors. And that's what you really have to uh, you know, keep in mind. So that's the one thing we try to, we try to teach people is how to see other solutions. I mean, in my life, if, you know, no matter what I want to do, you know, it's usually site-dependent. Well, if I wasn't always looking to see the other solution, I would have done nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to understand and believe there's another way to do it, and you got to try it. Yeah, you look forward versus backward or versus not doing anything. Correct. Many people don't realize this, but in life, when you don't decide to do something, you have decided. To not decide is to decide. That's because correct. I always say, you know, attitude is a choice, so mm-hmm. is doing things. I mean, it's your choice. It's not that people stop you. It's your choice. And, you know, I I hope you've listened to uh, Vince today. Vince, you know, I just think you're very wonderful, inspiring. Um, do, you're saying you do do um, conferences as a keynote speaker? I do. Love to do them. Okay, so if you're listening to the show today, we're having so many problems for our youth with disabilities, bullying. Um, some have taken their life as a result of bully side. You know, I think this would be a great person for you to have speak because it really does show them that, yeah, I have a disability, but that's just part of who I am. As that I have epilepsy, as all of you know, but, you know, that's just part of who I am, and that has not stopped me from being CEO, national speaker, radio show. You know, that's just part of who I am, but I'm not ashamed of that part of who I am. So I hope if you're listening, you know, that you will get in touch with Vince. One more time, Vince, what's that email? Vince at VinceMorvillo.com is the email. The website is VinceMorvillo.com. Okay, Vince Morvillo, M-O-R-V-I-L-L-O. That's it. VinceMorvillo.com. The email is Vince at VinceMorvillo.com. All right, well, Vince, it's just been a pleasure to have you as our guest today. I've really enjoyed having you on. Well, thank you very much for having me, and I've really enjoyed being on and, and talking with you. Well, you are just an awesome person. And you know we end every show with a quote, if not from a civil rights leader, from someone that we feel has impacted the lives of all of us, including people with disabilities. So this just fits Vince's life. Louise Hay says, remember, you are the only person who thinks in your mind. You are the power and authority in your world. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.